Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Hard in the Paint NBA podcast, the podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by none other than my co-host, Michael. And today, on this wonderful Oscars Day celebration, we got plenty of things to talk about in the league from last week and the post-All-Star happenings that have been going on in the NBA. But before we get to that, we'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode. Unita Brewing Company is a local alcoholic beverage brewing company here in wonderful Salt Lake, Utah. They brew all sorts of kinds of uh, local lagers and pilsners and all sorts of things. Uh, Currently, I'm enjoying a lime pilsner, uh, which is pretty fantastic. It goes great with... You know, some chips and salsa and guacamole type stuff. Uh, per- perfect summertime beverage, but, you know, it's winter right now, but I'm feeling like summer in my gut, so it feels really good. And with that, uh, we would like to just hop right into potentially the most groundbreaking news, or really shoe-breaking news since the All-Star break, and that is our good buddy Zion Williamson. So uh, in the first 30 seconds of the most expensive college game ever $2,600 tickets to the UNC Duke game Zion does a nice jumping pivot and busts right through the outsole of his PG 2.5 team sneakers Uh, and of course because of the maneuver he was trying to do he uh, definitely sprained his knee I think it was a, a grade one sprain, so he should be back pretty soon, but he's being evaluated day to day right now. Michael, what what did you see this live? What did you think about this? I did. I actually went out of my way to watch this game. Uh, then it happened. Then I waited about 10 minutes, and they said he wasn't coming back, and then I changed to a different channel. Yeah, that's got to be a pretty big blow. I mean, UNC looked... Like, they kind of were ready to take it to him once Zion went down, and Duke just looked a little bit lost out there the rest of the game. Which is funny when you have three top ten draft picks on the same team. Um, Probably even top five, honestly. This draft's not very deep. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe top five. Do we blame the shoes? I don't know. This is a tough one. I've heard heard some interesting takes on this, and I think the one I'm going with that I like the most is, you know, Zion is a uh, 285 ultra athletic. I mean, it, you know, Paul George is like 230 athletic, and he doesn't, he's got better footwork, I'll say. So he has less of a chance to bust through his seams. So, uh, and I believe that particular uh, brand of PG shoe is one of the more common ones worn by all like basketball players in college and the NBA. Yeah, it's one of the team like additional ones. Like if you go to your local Dick's Sporting Goods, they'll have it in like your basic white and blues and reds and greens. And it's also like a year old model because now they're on PG threes. So uh, maybe that's does a. This, <laughs> does this move? Uh, is this forever known as Zioning? If you make a cut and you bust through the shoe, is this going to be named for Zion? I'd be down with that. Hashtag Zioning. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. I think, if anything, this is a testament to uh, Zion getting a signature so that he doesn't bust through his shoes. So we can get the, like, Zion Unbreakables or something like that. Mm. Who do you think's in the running to land the shoe deal? Nike still? Um, Adidas? Or do, you, or do you think Puma can make a move here? I don't know. This is a weird one to me. Because, uh, you know... A lot of guys now in in middle school and high school and college, they kind of get stuck in like a Nike school. Then they go to a Nike high school and then a Nike college. And there's like um, behind the scenes incentives there to kind of stay within the brand. But sign, sign the Supermax with the home team, basically. Yeah, yeah. But of course, we don't see any of it being the outsiders. But, you know it depends on how burned zion feels by this if he's like oh man you know nikes suck i'm never gonna wear these again it's either that or he just goes to a different you know maybe he wears lebron's now which i'm sure lebron would be okay with or you know 
He could go to Adidas, or maybe this is the start of the Nike curse. Maybe Adidas has moved on. Maybe it's transferred to Nike. Now with, you know, Kaepernick and Zion, and you know, maybe there's a transitional curse here. President Obama was sitting courtside at this game. Do you think he was there on behalf of the Chicago Bulls as part of their Tankapalooza in a very elaborate smoke and mirrors tampering type scheme? Do you think Obama is uh, potentially could be busted with tampering with Zion Williamson? Now this is an interesting take. I've never I haven't heard this one before. You know I don't I don't know who this must have been one of our fan submitted takes. Um, of course, so we love to address here with your emails and comments and whatnot. And I personally think you know it's not tampering. Uh, you know Obama's a DCI art. You know you say he's from inner city Chicago and he organized all these things, but you know. When's when's the last time he was like a Bulls fan? You know, it's like you didn't see him at D Rose games. You know, you saw you 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 saw him at LeBron's games. You know, I think he's just a fan of the superstar. The NBA has proposed lowering the age from 19 to 18. Uh, this might come around in the 2022 draft, which would basically be a double draft of uh, high school and college players. Is this a coincidence that this happened? You know, within 48 hours of Zion's shoe fiasco? Absolutely not. However, I do think the uh, the news was, like, encouraged to break now that everyone was talking about how, oh, you can't have these kids play college. They don't need to when they're just going to risk getting hurt and the shoes are going to break on them. It's even worse. It's like, yeah, you know, I agree. It makes a lot of sense. You know, if you, if you're good enough in high school to go right into the pros or even the GD league, you know, why not just go into it now? And I mean, you're obviously doing college just to get into the NBA. Like, it's already understood. Like, think of, you know, if something like this had happened to like Ben Simmons at LSU, it's like, okay, he probably would have just sat out the rest of the year. Whereas Zion, it's like, well, he's got a really good team around him. He's already shown that he wants to do, you know, like a college title. So I would assume he's probably going to come back, even though a lot of people are saying that he should just sit out the rest of the year and not risk anything else. Um, I mean, you can you can even go to last year's draft and say that's what, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. when he broke his back. It's like, okay, you know, maybe he shouldn't. You know, if he didn't go to the uh, college, maybe he would have been all right, you know? So, and that's like a super drastic injury compared to this one. I'm all down for it. I think it's also, you know, we've mentioned the rumors last year of LeBron trying to play with his kid in LA. There's already been some ground swelling from this, but the really the big um, sort of the opposition to this movement is the journeyman NBA players, like the Corey Brewers of the NBA. It's like, this guy's like 28. He's going to get replaced by an 18 year old. And now he's going to be out of a paycheck. Like he doesn't want this to happen. It's a lot like, you know, building the wall. It's like all these sort of lower mid-class workers are going to lose their jobs to all these, uh, youngins that are, you know, kind of going to take, take their gerbs. What do you think? Uh, I guess speaking of walls and journeymen, Michael Beasley is heading to China. Do you think he will team up with Stefan Marbury and form a super team in China? I'm so glad that you caught on to that segue I was trying to lead to. <laughs> so, yeah, Michael Beasley, former Laker of this year, obviously now replaced for, you know, uh, Brandon Ingram's minutes and probably LeBron was a lot to do with that. Um, good for him. Good. He's still playing, you know, I'll, I'll see him in 2k sometime, but, uh, other than that, you know, best, best of wishes to you, man. Uh, the NBA is launching an Africa league with, I believe it's 12 teams. This is a good move for the NBA. Good way to scout talent in Africa. Do you think? Think they need to televise it somehow I, like i'd love to watch those games like with native commentary and arenas and stuff 
just to be like, oh man, I wonder how different the game plays, you know, like, cause we all say like Euro plays different than the NBA and they're fundamentally better and this, that, and the other. Um, at the same time, it's like, oh, we're going to foster talent in a country we need to play every other year in the Olympics. Why would we want to do that? Uh, even more with, I guess, NBA branding and goodwill, USA Gymnastics uh, has had a rough few years here. Uh, they've appointed as their new CEO, Lili Lang, who was a vice president for NBA World uh, Division. So NBA kind of making some moves uh, out in China, Africa, and now USA Gymnastics. Do you think Adam Silver will be the next person poached and go into a different league like MLB or NFL? You know, in, in the past, how long has he been commissioner? Like four years now? I think five years five years a little over five years yeah i mean we just need to take a look at it we should we should maybe take a deeper dive into this sometime but all of his accomplishments and how much the league has changed in the past five years from you know the social media pushes to you know world versus usa's to the sports all-star betting. game sports betting television g yeah. league gd leagues summer leagues uh i mean it seems like basketball is like the actual year-round sport now for America, at least. You know, we talk about all, you know, even a month ago when the Super Bowl happened, it was like a day later the Anthony Davis thing came out and nobody cared anymore about the Super Bowl. I mean, to go from being second fiddle to the NFL to now really leading the charge, and yeah, arguably maybe some of that's due to the NFL screwing up too, but I mean, you got to give that guy a promotion somehow, right? Isn't really screwed up too much except not televising the all-star draft last year and then not doing an in-person draft this year i mean that's really the only complaints i have yeah and i think those are incremental steps that they'll be taking uh netflix has produced a steven soderbergh movie uh that i i think is about basketball i'm not entirely sure uh if it's you know about the game and the players, uh, it seems to be a little bit more of the behind the scenes of what kind of happens with free agency and uh, rookie drafts and the contract kind of scene. It's called High Flying Bird. Um, have you seen it? I have not. I do not have Netflix okay. currently. Neither one of us has seen it. Uh, Draymond is signed with Clutch Sports. Does that mean Draymond will be a Laker? This is kind of sneaky huge news, isn't it? I mean, last year we were all talking about AD signing with Clutch and Ben Simmons signing with Clutch. Rich Paul's got, like, an all-star team now under his belt. (laughs) Do you think Draymond would actually help the Lakers? Or, I guess, better yet, uh, I think Draymond's contract is not this year, but the next year is when he'd be eligible to re-sign with Golden State. Uh, So Draymond would be, obviously, another year and a half older. Would that uh, slightly older version of Draymond Green be helpful to this Lakers team? Not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure. It kind of depends on who's on the roster still. You know, I think you got like Rondo, Draymond, and LeBron all on the same team. That sounds a little bit like a chemistry nightmare. Uh, at the same time, you, you know, we had the barbershop. Yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot better defense. But we had that barbershop last year with Draymond and where they seemed like LeBron and him were buddies. You know, Anthony Davis is doing one this year with LeBron. I don't think it's aired yet, but it's coming soon. So, you know, who knows? I think I think Draymond off the court's actually a pretty good dude. I just think on the court, he, he obviously ruffles a lot of feathers. But we'll see. You know, I'm I'm not. You know, the Lakers have missed out on a lot of free agents now, and the Anthony Davis one, the stock in that trade seems to be going way down. So maybe it's a mad scramble addition by subtraction type deal where they screw up the chemistry of the Warriors. Maybe who knows? One of the rumors going around my house right now is. Perhaps Kevin Durant will not be heading to the Knicks or the Clippers or even staying with the Golden State. Perhaps in the works is a Kevin Durant for Anthony Davis trade where Anthony Davis goes to Golden State, Kevin Durant goes to New Orleans, and then New Orleans itself uh, 
makes an ultra move to Seattle. So Katie would become a Seattle supersonic once again. That sounds like a Cinderella ending. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be dope. Like, if New Orleans loses AD and doesn't get anything back, it's like, might as well move back to Seattle, boys. <laughs> or like, if, if OKC ever blows up, it's like, might as well move back to Seattle, boys. And, and I think uh, it fits into the Golden State 10-year narrative of we're going to win and be competitive for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, probably Boogie's so not going to be there, right? So, and Draymond might not be there. And are we sure Clay Thompson will resign this summer? I'm like ninety percent sure he's going to stay. I don't see him and Steph breaking up. It's like, you know, it'd be like, I mean, Scotty and Michael broke up, but that was a little bit different circumstance. So the NBA has come back from the All Star break. Had some interesting games, uh, interesting matchups, I, I should say. Um, DeMar DeRozan and the San Antonio Spurs traveled north of the border, and DeRozan finally returned to Toronto. What, are your, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, my initial thoughts of this was they first off gave him a huge tribute video over in Toronto, of course, uh, very heartwarming. Kind of nice considering that's really their best team they've had and he was a big centerpiece of that since probably Chris Bosh really or maybe even Vince if you go back that far um, and I was pretty I'd say just overall these last few games there's been a little bit of an all-star malaise it's glossed over a couple people you can tell a couple guys came back like two shades tanner because they'd been in Mexico or something for a couple days on vacation or this that and the other um, personally, I didn't really watch this game because I'm not a huge fan of watching the Spurs right now. They're not very exciting to me, and it's like, I'm sure Rudy Gay's having a fantastic statistical year, maybe his best ever, but it's like, uh, they're like the eighth seed in the West, and maybe they can pull it off, maybe they can't, but I don't think they're winning a title anytime soon unless something else really happens there. Uh, I think the last time I checked, uh, the Spurs are actually six, so they would match up with OKC in the first round. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, kind of an interesting matchup, I think. Uh, Indy, speaking of uh, playoff seeding, Indy has won eight of their last nine games. Without uh, Oladipo. Yeah, this is obviously without a Victor Oladipo. Um, you know, kind of reigning most improved player, clearly the best player on that team. And they have held on to the third seed in the East. Do you think they can keep a top four spot and possibly force um, one of these, you know, kind of that four or five Boston Philly matchup. Do you think Indy can actually make it to the second round? Dare we say, I think there's an actual decent chance that they could totally sneak up on somebody, you know, uh, last year they gave the Cavs maybe one of their best matchups, you know, uh, in the whole entire East and even the year before that, they were really solid too. So I, I would hold out some hopes for Indiana. I'm not a huge fan of the, like, they have a re they have a really good depth, which helps out a lot in the playoffs because now it's like, okay, your plus minus isn't total crap. And they play a little bit bigger ball than most teams, but I think it really depends on the matchup. Like, I think if they get matched up against Philly and Philly – is clicking, you know, at 70%. Like, I don't see how they win. But, you know, if they catch Boston not gelling or Philly not gelling, they could totally sneak out, like, a seven-game series win or something like that. Yeah, I mean, better yet, if they end up as a, as a third seed, um, their sixth-place matchup could be a team like Brooklyn or Charlotte or Detroit or Miami. And, That's true. They're still really high-seeded, like, because they won so many early on. Which is kind of weird. It's like nobody's talking about them. Probably because nobody has them on the championship odds. But, you know, good, good to see Indiana thriving and surviving without Oladipo. Uh, on Thursday, Boston and Milwaukee clashed. Uh, this could be a possible playoff collision at some point in the playoffs. Uh, Gordon Hayward did not play. Do you think Boston should bench Gordon Hayward for the rest of the year? Let him just get completely healthy for next year? And give those minutes to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, that kind of split. 
You know, I keep going back and forth on this. Really, it's it's tough for me. There was a, I think there was an, I think it was like Boston, Toronto, maybe a week before this game, and then I think Kyrie wasn't playing, and so they had Gordon, and Gordon was shot like, like he looked great, like he had twenty some points and like six rebounds, a couple assists. I was like, okay, Gordon Hayward's back, and then he does like a game like this one where it's just like you know, might as well have another Morris twin on the team, you know, so. It's really weird. It's almost like um, it's almost like a matchup issue. Like it's kind of nice for Boston's perspective. It's like, all right, you know, if this guy can lock up Tatum, let's see if he can lock up Jalen or Gordon. Uh, but it's rough. I mean, you've got. I think you really have an ego problem on that team. Nobody wants to like fix it, so to speak. Let's dive into that then a little bit. Who do you think is more important to that team? Kyrie or Al Horford? Funny enough, I think it's Al Horford, really. Like, he's the, he's the one that gives you the biggest matchup issues uh, in the East. I mean, he constantly is a thorn in Joel Embiid, you know. Uh, he's great with against the Toronto guys because he can, like, match up with Ibaka or even Marcus All. Like, you know, he's he's kind of like a weird... I don't want to say like an ace in the hole, but like uh, such a unique game compared to the rest of the like big time centers that they'd have to compete against that I think he's actually more important. Whereas like Kyrie, it feels like Kyrie is a little replaceable, even though he's your closer and like the best threat to Golden State and like your best ISO player. Like, I don't know, like I almost would rather have like, uh, you know, like, like, uh, like Chris Paul in that spot or something, you know? The guy who plays more of the point, more of a setup guard. Yeah, not not to much not to like nag on Kyrie's game because it seems like they always win when he has like more than ten assists. But you know, that was Kyrie's Ooh. knack back in Cleveland before LeBron got there is he was like a score first guard, never passed, jacked up a bunch of shots. If Kyrie leaves in the summer, because he's an unrestricted free agent, so he could just walk. Should Boston use that money to take on the Mike Conley contract for two years, uh, write out the rest of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's uh, rookie deals? That'll basically, I think, take you almost to the end of Gordon Hayward. So essentially you're you're kind of stuck with this core for about two, maybe three years of Conley, Tatum, Brown, Gordon Hayward, and then you probably, I think Marcus Smart is still under contract, but kind of around that time. Because Mike Conley is a little bit more of that kind of traditional point guard. Yeah, but what are you what are you gonna give up to get that? You know, okay, you lost Kyrie for let's just say money. Like you just you just lose the money, you don't lose any picks. So now you're like Memphis is gonna want picks for Conley probably or players. Probably like Jalen Brown or something. Um it almost feels like you need to lose some players just so that you don't have too many shoes to fill. I know that sounds weird, but like you have almost too much, too many cooks in the kitchen and you need to throw out some restaurant items just so that you don't have so many people bumping heads in there. So the team in the East with that, I think the most number of uh, potential free agents by the summer is actually Milwaukee. Uh, and this includes Chris Middleton. Do you think Milwaukee will be able to keep Chris Middleton this summer? I think someone like Charlotte or Orlando would be totally fine overpaying Chris Middleton and trying to snag him up, which is really sad because I don't think I'm not too high on Chris Middleton right now. Like, uh, you know, he's not worth like a. It almost feels like a Nick Batum type of contract that might pop up here. <laughs> and we know how well that's working out. So. Uh, I think Milwaukee, I think there's like a, a pretty decent chance that they don't end up keeping him, which is kind of sad because he gels really well. You don't think they'll kind of overpay Chris Middleton um, in order to basically signal to Giannis that they are really trying to win now? Because Giannis's contract will be up by summer 2020, so it'll be the year after. And if 
Chris Middleton is gone and let's say, um, you know, somebody like someone like Robin Lopez is, or sorry, Brooke Lopez is gone and Bledsoe might be out the door. Milwaukee situation doesn't quite look so good. And then Giannis could walk away. Well, it's also the tried and true small market team philosophy. I mean, Anthony Davis wants to get out of a small market. You know, Giannis... I don't know if he wants to get out of a small market. I think he just wants to get out of a bad team. I mean, Chris Paul wanted to get out of New Orleans. I mean, Boogie wanted yeah, to get out of a small market. Also... Yeah, but they both came from pretty terrible franchises. Chris Paul, I think, only went to the playoffs like twice when he was with New Orleans, and clearly didn't advance very far. And then Boogie has never been to the playoffs. I don't think it's a small market thing. I think it's those teams just happen to be pretty bad. I mean, folks want to folks want to move on. Like I, I get it. Milwaukee's like having a fantastic year, but it almost feels like a like a 2011 Bulls year, where it's like, okay, you snagged the best record, but do we really have faith in you to win the whole thing right now? And you know, sure, he is maybe the MVP right now, but. Is that is that enough to keep Chris Middleton there? I mean, would would Giannis rather have someone else there? You know, he I'm sure he's got some pulling power in the in the front office room. So, you know, maybe like Chris Middleton for Bradley Beal. You know, I mean, the only thing that I would say against that is from what we saw from All Star captain Giannis for his team, he pretty much picks guys he's friends with, who he likes. Clearly pick Chris Milton. They have pretty good chemistry in the actual game. It doesn't seem like uh, – it seems like on the surface of things, he would rather have Chris Middleton be his uh, his Robin. They also got to think, you know, Giannis has come out and said he wants to win it there. You know, he's, he's, he's not a big – he's kind of got the Dame philosophy of I ain't going to be a super team guy. I'm not going to go, you know, pull a big three like LeBron – you know, Giannis has been there his whole career. He started off, you know, bench warmer. He's moved his way up to MVP. He's got a lot of history there, and it seems like a lot to throw away. Middleton, kind of a similar deal, really. I mean, D-League, Achilles injury, you know, Milwaukee kind of homer guy. Pretty, pretty Seems pretty loyal, but, you know, I don't watch a ton of interviews of him, so... Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee could keep him, but like you said, it it might be an overpaying deal that maybe comes back to bite them in the ass like two or three years later. Golden State and Sacramento also faced off in what could be a potential one versus eight uh, first round series. Golden State kind of snuck out of this game a little bit, even though it was at home. I think they only won by two or three points. And it really kind of came down to this weird exchange of Buddy Heald and Dave Yeager. I don't want to say arguing necessarily, but it just seemed like there was a fundamental misunderstanding and a lot of frustration from both of them and then ended up with Buddy Heald having a last shot and not really putting up a shot. Um, yeah, that clip got played around winning, a lot. So. Yeah, it, it seems like... There's a little bit of a game plan disconnect between those two, and maybe it's, you know, I, I don't know who to blame, but, uh, you know, with this game and then there's the Sacramento OKC game with Buddy Heald, it seems like that guy is really coming into his own this this time of year. You know, maybe most improved, maybe, you know, he, he's definitely in that conversation. Um, and it's, I guess Sacramento is really got the potential to hold on to the state spot. I mean, the Lakers are, what, I think two games behind them now? I think they're three, but they, the Lakers lost last night. Um, gotcha. So I believe so they're now three games behind. Three games behind. So the Lakers need to go, like, 600 to make the playoffs, whereas Sacramento can go, like, 450. So, I mean, that's pretty nice. Um I think the real trick here is Boogie, right? So this is Boogie's last game closing, I believe. Or no, he didn't close this game, actually. He, he got no, he out. actually has not been put into those crunch time lineups. Uh, Steve Kerr has still gone with the hands five death lineup with Iggy taking that spot instead of Boogie. Um, Boogie's only been playing about 25 minutes a game, but pretty 
efficient considering, uh, you know, he's like almost a 10-year vet with an Achilles problem. Uh, his stat line this season, I mean, it's not fantastic, uh, but 14 uh, points, seven rebounds, and about three and a half assists a game. Hey, for 25 minutes, that per 36 looks pretty good. So nice, a good job for Boogie, but, I, you know, problem is I think I've been seeing him get, you know, the Warriors like to switch everything, and when you get the point guard on Boogie, I just sit there and I'm like quivering in my boots for the Warriors because it's like, ah, uh, looks so gruff. Yeah, I think it's tough if you have Steph and Boogie on the defensive end, and they do a lot of switching because, you know, as we saw last year in the finals, right? LeBron likes to pick on Curry on that lineup, but it's like if Iggy, Draymond, Katie, or Clay, you know, you'll take your chances. But I guess if you have Steph and Boogie, kind of giving up that defensive prowess that the Warriors have actually been pretty sneaky good at during this dynasty run. Yeah, and, you know, b- back when Boogie was healthy, it's not like he was terrible on defense. I mean, he was he was pretty solid. I mean, obviously more of a post defender than a perimeter defender, but with the Achilles, I, I um, it, it doesn't look like where it needs to be. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with just getting back into rhythm. I mean, he's only played, what, five or six games now, so... Yeah, and last night he did play against the Houston Rockets. Interestingly, Harden did not play. And the Rockets ended up winning this game. And they are now 3-0 and versus Golden State in the regular season. Yeah, that's pretty concerning, right? If you're the Warriors, like, you've lost now to... Well, one of those games didn't have CP3, the, the one with the Harden overtime winner, uh, game-winning three. And then, obviously, last night... CP3 was in the game, but Harden was not. And Capella, is, I, I think, came back last night. But obviously, he's nowhere near back to being 100%. Kind of weird, right? You've lost every configuration of the Rocket superstars. It's like, uh, what's going on, folks? I think it's an sure intensity issue. Mello. They did lose Melo. <laughs> like, I, I think, honestly, the Rockets are like... They get super amped up for those games. And like they really <laughs> try hard. Whereas, I think the Warriors are still... I don't know if they're in playoff mode yet, you know. Like like LeBron said, like he's got to turn up the intensity earlier this year. Yeah, it's got to be activated. Well, the Rockets ended up playing the Lakers, and the Lakers beat the Rockets, uh, which was kind of an interesting game on Thursday. Uh, and it kind of, kind of made me think, do you think Harden can finish the season scoring 35 points a game? Oh, jeez. I think he's already getting tired, man. Like, it's the reason he didn't do much on All-Star Weekend. Like, he obviously took the Warriors game off for a reason. Uh, It's nice now that he's got Capella back and CP back, so the load won't be so much on him. But at the same time, he's getting the best defender every night. He's getting 40 different coverages. You know, with those two back, 30 points is even less of a likelihood so Capella's back and the Rockets have played kind of a weird lineup uh, where they actually put Capella at the five and Farid at the four. What do you make of that? Having two big guys. That was with Chris Paul out, right? So no, no, that's with Harden not playing, right? Yeah. But I also saw this a little bit in the Lakers game where it was Harden CP three uh, the three spot was Eric Gordon, and then they had Capella and Kenneth Farid on the floor, which was a very interesting combo. It actually looked like it gelled pretty well, and they looked a lot more balanced uh, offensively, defensively as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like more of a traditional lineup too. Like, not you think so if much they a, the were to lineup. face, you think if if they face a team like Utah in the first round where Utah has kind of the Derek Favors, Joe Ingles, uh, Rudy Gobert uh, size, or maybe even like a Denver. Do you think they'll kind of roll out this Fareed Capella? It's, it's definitely a possibility, I think. I think Fareed was a sneaky good pickup in exchange for Melo. Uh, big leaper, big post guy, rim runner. Playoff That's, energy. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like, you know, hustle guy, kind of like P.J. Tucker is, you know. Um, 
Really makes you wish they still had a Riza, really. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I guess let's round out this uh, game recaps with our necessary Lakers uh, segment. Do you think LeBron will ever play with another All Star? Yeah, I mean it's the Lakers. There's all these trade rumors. Something's got to give, right? I mean Rondo's technically an All Star, right? Uh, Are you talking okay. current day All Star? I mean, yeah, like a current All Star, um, like someone who would be on the All Star team with him in the next three years while he's with the the current Lakers contract. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's pretty likely. I mean, you know, LeBron makes everybody better around him, so if he gets even like a tier two star, he can turn him into an all-star. Uh, how bad is the Lakers' defense? Oof. Do I, do I even have words to explain this? I mean, <laughs> it's funny enough that it seems like they are lost on defense without Alonzo Ball, like guarding a perimeter <laughs> player, which is like that's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, but I do like, especially in that Rockets game, there's a couple of possessions where Reggie Bullock like gave Harden a, a pretty hard time on, on defense. Maybe that was a sneaky good pickup. Do you think Brandon Ingram should be involved in more pick and roll? Absolutely. I'd love to see LeBron Ingram pick and roll with LeBron setting the screen. Because Ingram's gotten like pretty good at the driving. He seems like he can make those kickout passes a lot better. Like, he's taking some notes from LeBron. Maybe they're, you know, training each other up. Maybe LeBron's trying to have his own KD, you know? Do you think the Lakers should dump Brandon Ingram and go after Chris Middleton in the summer? How about this? What? Who is the most untouchable piece on that team not named LeBron? Probably Ingram, right? I'd say Rondo or Kuzma. <laughs> oh, Kuzma. yeah, probably Kuzma, actually. Then you I think can... Kuzma actually has more trade value. Brandon Ingram, it seems like uh, more of a mental kind of problem with him. Like, it yeah. just seems like he can't seem to uh, get himself in the game. Kind of very much like Andrew Wiggins, where you're just kind of wondering if this guy's going to engage with what's happening on the court. Chris Middleton for Ingram. Ugh. I mean, not a straight-up swap, but that would be the basis uh, of movements. Because Chris Middleton's going to be a free agent in the summer, so you can outright just sign him. So you could theoretically keep Brandon Ingram and Chris Middleton, but I think they kind of overlap a little too much. Then your starting lineup would be like Lonzo, Middleton, LeBron, Kuzma, Ingram? Yeah, or, I mean, you could always ship out Ingram if you wanted to. Maybe Anthony Davis is on that team this summer. I mean, so maybe Brandon Ingram is gone anyway. This this is like the heart. Like, if you had to make me bet on who's on this team next year, I would have such a hard time. Like, it seems like anybody can move, and any combination of people can move, except LeBron and... And even like, even though we say Kuzma's got the best value, it's like even better to trade him. Yeah. Uh, if LeBron was surrounded not by this Lakers young core, but by the Kings young core, and the Fortunes were switched, so the Lakers uh, currently had the A spot, and the Kings were, you know, the Kings plus LeBron sort of set up was three games behind, would you trust that that type of team would make the playoffs ahead of? Kind of the like if you kind of switch the young cores of the Kings and Lakers, would you have more faith in LeBron making the playoffs? I think so. I, th I actually think so. I think, I think, you know, the Lakers' kind of problem is they don't have the shooters that LeBron likes, and you've got Buddy Heald and Bogdanovich, both are really good shooters. Mm hmm. Uh, Bagley has come back. He's really solid. Uh, also a decent shooter from the stretch four. And you have Fox, who's like actually a good point you, guard. Yeah, I think he gives you pretty much everything Lonzo gives you. Yeah. And I don't know about your center spots, but, I mean, you do have Kali Stein as like your Tyson Chandler young. So 
I kind of like it more, honestly. Uh, and my last question is... Better coach, too, by the way. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so the last time LeBron James was not in the finals, uh, the following guys were rookies in the league. Joe Ingles, Wes Matthews, Aaron Baines, Patty Mills, Patrick Beverly, Danny Green, Todd Gibson, Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson, Drew Holiday, Ricky Rubio, DeMar DeRozan, James Harden, Blake Griffin, and Steph Curry were all rookies the last time LeBron was not in the finals. Now, given that, do you think the Lakers should make the playoffs? Whether or not they whether or not they do, or if you know that they probably will or won't, do you think they should make the playoffs? If you had asked me after the the Rockets game, I would have said yes. But last night after the New Orleans game, oof, my morale's pretty low on this. You know, they, they won the game that they shouldn't have won, and they lost the game they should have won, which is not a good sign if you're looking for, like, a consistent team. Uh, I mean, if you're playing down, kind of like the Wizards are always do, where they play down in their competition, it's like, ugh, that's not, not good. And there's even more junk coming around about, you know, the rookies and all the other players being uncomfortable. And LeBron's like, well, you guys just need to play through it. So do you think LeBron should try to put on the push of playing 40 minutes a game to get the team in the playoffs? Or do you think they should just go ahead and sort of wind down and try and reload for next year? I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to make the playoffs, but it's going to come down to that one. I think it was two years ago where it was Minnesota and Denver were tied. Oh no, it was last year. They were tied for the eighth spot and it came down to a game winner, right? Yep. I think that's what it'll come down to, but it might be LeBron plays 42 minutes and they lose to the Hawks, you know? Yeah, I mean, all right, I guess we'll see. Um, So today is Sunday, uh, and the Oscars, Academy Awards, uh, whatever they're called, uh, are being presented tonight. So in honor of that, we have decided to wrap up this episode with our own NBA Oscars uh, for the two-thirds point in the season. Uh, We are going to be more transparent than the Oscars by actually digging out our voting totals, uh, mostly because Matt will be the only person voting, so therefore we are wholly transparent. Um, All right, I'll just just kick it off with some of these awards. Um, Matt, if you have one that you'd like to propose, feel free. I just kind of Jotted down a few. Uh, we'll start with best production design. Um, so I was thinking this award was kind of the best arena, maybe the best in-game crowd, best uh, floor. I mean, these awards are basically open to your interpretation, however you will. The oh. nominees include <laughs> Madison Square Garden, TD Garden, Boston, Pepsi Center, Denver, Spectrum Center, Charlotte, Amway Center, Orlando, Smoothie King Center, New Orleans, and feel free to add your own nominees if you want. I personally, and I think Twitter agrees with me, is the All-Star Game uh, floor and arena was really well done. Like, I thought that was super cool. So I would totally pick that if I could. Um, but at the same time, I really like the Denver rebrand with like the, the red and the color scheme now. I think that looks really cool when the uh, 5280 like on the free throw line, I think that's really cool. I think that crowd's finally into it now that their team's like got sustained success. Um, really proud of them. Um, really, the only other court I like is the Hornets court with the with the honeycomb design. Like that's just so unique, so cool. Um, obviously, the crowd's not quite there. Like if you had the Hornets court with like the, the New York crowd. I would definitely win, but I think I'm going to give it to the Pepsi Center. Sponsor of the podcast, by the way. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah, full disclosure. <laughs> uh, best screenplay, uh, which is basically NBA Twitter, and the nominees include Joel Embiid, Philadelphia, CJ McCollum, Portland, Enos Cantor, New York Knicks, slash Portland, and Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj Bombs. Oof. You know, this, this was a tight debate. Uh, recently, of course, we had 
Ennis Cantor, who just won a game in Portland, saying, well, this is what winning feels like with potentially <laughs> the biggest drop of the year. But I think I got to give it to Woj primarily off of the draft tweets from earlier in the year where it was different variations of this team is honing in on X and laser focused on this team without actually trying to, you know, playing legalese with what he can and can't say on Twitter. So uh, I got to give it to, to the Woj bomb himself. Uh, next up will be one, one, one of the bigger awards uh, of the evening. Best director, um, coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer, Milwaukee, Nick Nurse, Toronto, Greg Popovich, San Antonio, Mike Malone, Denver, and Terry Stotts, Portland. My opinion here, there's pretty much no contest. It's going to be Coach Bud in Milwaukee, not only for the Bud Light references, but uh, for really transforming that team around from Giannis ISO to great floor spacing, shooting threes, off-ball movement, uh, basically making Middleton an all-star, good good off-season pickups, decent defensively. And of course, the best record right now. So, this year the Oscars do not have a host uh, or a main presenter. So, we have decided to create our own award called Best Host. Uh, and the nominees are Bill Simmons, The Ringer, Michelle Beadle, NBA Countdown, Ernie John- Johnson, Inside the NBA, and Rachel Nichols, The Jump. Who do you think is this year's best host? I'm going to go with a weird one here. I'm going to say Michelle Beadle, mostly off of the fact that Bill Simmons uh, doesn't, it's too much of a homer, you know, it's not, not part of the ESPN crew, so he can't cover games anymore. Uh, you know, he just plays Fortnite with his kids and uses old player references all the time that wouldn't connect with the young crowd. Of course, EJ was the returning winner from last year, so I just had to give it to someone new. You know, in the progressive society we live in, I got to give it to a female. Michelle Beadle used to do Get Up. She doesn't do it as much as she used to, but really solid on there with Jalen. NBA Countdown is like, I actually enjoy that now. Like, it's actually pretty exciting with Paul and Jalen and sometimes Chauncey, and, you know, she does a good job mediating the crew and making jokes and being a Spurs fan, which is weird. Um, of course, the whole Kawhi drama with her was great. So I'm going to give it to Michelle Beadle. Uh, best film editing. So best commentary team uh, going a little bit inside the NBA TNT players only TNT NBA countdown ESPN and the NBA college Tuesday night crossover ESPN. All right, so I know who the loser is on this, and it's players only. <laughs> that is the worst fucking stuff on <laughs> TNT. Like, nobody wants to hear no commentary throughout the entire game, and then just guys rambling about how they missed free throws back in the day. Um, definitely not my style. It's great for, like, the post-game analysis and, like, the pregame and the halftime, but for, like, during game commentary... It just doesn't work. It's like nobody knows who their play-by-plays are. It almost feels like the summer league crew, which is not good. It's like, here, I'll just do your job instead uh, for free. Um, So I'm going to have to give it to, of course, Ernie and the crew inside the NBA on TNT. Uh, It's just uh, they've figured out what works. Meryl Streep of that category. Yeah, they, they figure out what works, and they just keep pumping it out night in and night out. Uh, especially with the all-star draft that it did on there. That was pretty hilarious too. So, uh, The next category is a technical award going to best costume design uh, city jerseys. With the nominees are Minnesota, Prince inspired, Miami, Miami Vice inspired, Denver, Rocky Mountain Rainbow, Charlotte, Buzz City, and Golden State, Chinatown. Chinese New Year. The best one here is probably the Miami Vice, but I don't like Miami, but I still got to give it to them. Like, yeah, it sells every other jersey. Giant Town's probably the second closest in, like, popularity. 
um, even around here, which is kind of weird. Uh, and it's just so classic. I mean, it's a jersey everybody's wanted for years. The Prince one's just a little too much pink for the average person. And uh, Buzz City, it's good, it's solid, but I feel like it could do more. Uh, the next award is Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, obviously based on a foreign player. So this can either be the best pause foreign player or the best foreign pause player. So either the best foreign basketball player or the player that is the best at being foreign. And the nominees are Jokic, uh, representing Denver and Serbia, Joel Embiid, Philadelphia and Cameroon, Giannis, Milwaukee and Greece, Rudy Gobert, Utah and France, and Luka Doncic, the young kid, Dallas and Slovenia. The best foreigner, like if I had to put him in a Borat movie, uh, it's probably... I think you gotta go with like Embiid, because he's got the right accent to be, uh, you know, non-American. A lot of his like phrases are like, don't quite fit. And of course he's a loudmouth, so you can just... You can just feel the foreignness in you. Uh, I, I, I would honestly like to put like a, I get Australia still English, but I think uh, some of the Australian folks do a pretty good job of being foreign too. Uh, so that sort of concludes, I guess, the awards that nobody really watches at the Oscars. Um, now we'll kind of jump into the ones that people actually tune in for. Uh, best score. So this is the best play of the season so far. Harden's game-winning three over Clay and Draymond against Golden State. Clay hitting 14 threes in a game. Ben Simmons uh, driving to the paint and then throwing it behind his head to Markel Fultz for the layup. DeMar DeRozan driving to the left, doing a pirouette-style layup. And our final nominee is Portland with an insane amount of passes in an extravagance of team ball that led to a corner three against their counterparts in the Washington dysfunction known as the Wizards. Who takes home the award for best score? Can I, can I write in a nominee? Yeah, go ahead. My nominee is uh, the Steph Curry bounce alley-oop to Giannis. <laughs> I know it's an all-star game, but it totally counts, right? <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> the the best play of 2019 is uh, the Steph Alou pass to his former to his new teammate Giannis <laughs> off the bounce that just on top of the backboard just jams it in. Oh my god! Uh, best supporting actor. So this can be a role player, a rookie of the year candidate, a six man, a most improved player. Um, or feel free to add in a nominee. One of our bigger categories. Uh, lots of guys here. Luka Doncic, Dallas. Pascal Siakam, Toronto. Derek Rose, Minnesota. D'Angelo Russell, Brooklyn. De'Aaron Fox, Sacramento. Tobias Harris, Clippers slash Philadelphia. And Zion Williamson, who takes home the award for Best Supporting Actor. The pg 2.5s no i'm just kidding uh actually i think for the supporting role you know it's it's really somebody that doesn't embody the the focus of being center stage all the time you know it's it's somebody that can thrive even in the background of a scene and i think for this reasoning i think siakam is going to win it for me uh you know he's a guy that doesn't demand a whole lot, but constantly gives you hustle. You know, he's put up a couple of really big games, even without being prioritized in the lineup. And uh, he's definitely a key to their success. It's what, it's what makes the Toronto film so uh, interesting to watch sometimes. Best actor. At this point, is basically the two-thirds season MVP. The nominees include Giannis, Antetokounmpo, Milwaukee, James Harden, Houston, Paul George, Oklahoma City, Joel Embiid, Philadelphia, Steph Curry, Golden State, and Kevin Durant, Golden State. It's pretty easy to see here that Giannis is going to win this. Uh, you know, best, highest numbers 
in the in the East and the entire league. Uh, you know, obviously had some of the best director coaching him throughout this whole filmmaking process. And at the same time, he put up one of the best shows with the reception of stuff's past. So with so many, uh, you know, show-stopping moments in his great film career, it's got to be Giannis. Uh, before we get to the final two awards, I guess a little bit of a sidebar. Do you think, you know, kind of going into the all-star break, it seemed like Harden, Giannis were very much kind of the 1A, 1B candidates for MVP. Do you think Giannis, since the all-star game, has kind of retaken the narrative over James Harden? Yes, I believe so. And I also believe Paul George has bumped himself above and beat here these last three or four days too. Wow, interesting. Uh, the penultimate award is Best Trade. Uh, the nominees include Jimmy Butler, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Tobias Harris, Philadelphia, Clippers, Mark Gasol, Toronto, Memphis, Chris Sops, Porzingis, Dallas, New York Knicks, Markel Fultz, Philadelphia, Orlando, and Kawhi Leonard, DeMar DeRozan, Toronto Raptors, San Antonio Spurs. This is a real tough one. I'd like to say, I'd almost want to split this up into two, but I'm not going to because splitting up into two is a cop-out. So, What do you mean by splitting it up into two? So how I would split it up into two is this year's impact versus a future-proof impact. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. So I'd say Tobias Harris is the best trade for this year right now. Uh, he, what he's... Doing the Philly in spite of the Jimmy Butler drama is really clutch. Uh, he's a guy that doesn't demand much, does pretty much what you tell him to do, fits in their lineup really well. Um, also was a huge centerpiece on the Clippers, and Philly got him for pretty much pennies on the dollar, in my opinion. Uh, Should have gotten all. Shouldn't have had to cost a lot more to get him. Now, where it gets interesting is when we think of the future. You know, if obviously Philly doesn't win it in the next eight months, uh, their future's kind of wrecked. So obviously we need to look towards Dallas and Orlando with KP for DSJ pretty much. That being a massive trade, uh, KP looks amazing, by the way, seeing him in person and putting a really good team around Doncic seems like a great idea, especially with all the white heroes shooting threes there. Then at the same time, Philly got away with... Uh, basically bank robbery giving Fultz away to Orlando uh, I mean obviously a number one pick uh, but a guy that really hasn't proved himself at all uh, was going to be a decent amount of money on their roster and they got Jonathan Simmons in return like a really solid bench player that was like an all-star starter in the playoffs when Kawhi was out Kawhi Jr. pretty much and and they got out of Fultz like their biggest mistake in years. Like I don't, oh, I don't want to go that far. Julia Local Four was also a draft pick. But Julia plays. Okay. <laughs> like the fact that we had a highlight play with Fultz in it shows you how much we want you know <laughs> want Fultz to not be a bust. So now what what what's our what's our final we got we got what yeah what the award? final award is best picture uh so this typically kind of encompasses i guess the best nba narrative so whether that's a individual mvp candidate or a team or storyline or something along those lines um and the nominees include the turmoil in la la land uh east coast bloodbath Players on the Move, the Anthony Davis story, Rise of the Greek Freak, and our last nominee for Best Picture is The Unassisted Hardened Shriek. I would have to say the best picture goes to the East Coast bloodbath. <laughs> for years, the East Coast has been nothing but a king and his pawns battling out every year and finally we have some grade a competition and maybe better parody than the west at the top and on top of this we get the mini stories of 
the Greek freak in there, as well as the Kawhi legend drama, and we don't have to worry about LeBron anymore. It's great. It's actually fantastic. Who do you think will take home the award for actual best picture at the Oscars? Do you even know who the nominees are? Uh, as long as it's not Black Panther, I'm okay with it. Mostly because uh, that movie was not very good, in my opinion. It's pretty average. I, I, actually, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it was a bit overhyped. I think it's kind of just like every other Marvel movie, where it's like a B, B plus, B minus. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it should win Best Picture either. I don't even know who the nominees are, though. Uh, there are eight nominees in a... I would say sort of down year in terms of Oscar kind of movies. Uh, the nominees are Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, the movie about Queen or the Queen biopic or Freddie Mercury. Uh, the Favorite, sort of like a lesbian British period piece kind of comedy, I think. Uh, Black Panther. Vice, the guy who made the big short doing the same thing, but for Dick Cheney. Uh, Green Book which is sort of a 2019 reverse Driving Miss Daisy. Black Klansman, which was actually pretty good. Uh, a Star is Born, which is like the fourth remake of that movie. And uh, Roma, the Netflix movie. I don't think I've seen half of them. Or... I think if I had to pick from those, I've heard the Green Book is really good, so I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> There's actually been a lot of controversy around that one, I think. Just as it's like... Uh, you know, like uh, racist white guy meets black guy and they find out that each other's not so bad kind of narrative, which is, I guess, kind of already rehashed so many times in Hollywood. But Yeah, it's better than like a ethno-state movie, though, with a like C-minus plotline. Stolen from Lion King, though, right? So, <laughs> Which itself is stolen from like Shakespeare. Yeah, it's like okay, we can uh, we can live without this movie. Like okay, I get you need to do it so it makes sense for Avengers, but uh, you guys you guys could have done better here. And there we go, our conclusion to the NBA Oscars. All right, well before we leave this wonderful episode, I'm just going to take a quick minute to address uh, what I did last night, and that was I went to the Jazz Mavs game, of course, at the Vivint Smart Arena. Uh, it was a fantastic game for about two and a half quarters, and then the Jazz took a like 20-point lead uh, and basically never looked back. Uh, it was really upsetting, though. Uh, I thought Luka was going to play, but he was sitting out for some reason. Uh, I didn't quite hear why. Um, but I got to see him warm up for like an hour, which is pretty crazy. Uh, him and uh, Porzingis were both warming up at the same time. And even Dirk, they were all shooting threes together. Looked like they were having a fun time. I don't think I've ever seen someone so happy as Luca like pregame. Like he's just always got a smile on his face, joking with people. Um, and the crazy part, I think, he, I mean, you kind of see it on TV, but seeing it in person, like he barely jumps at all. Like he, he's not. Yeah, know, he's not like an athletic kind of guy at all. But at the same time, he's only eighteen. Like he's got plenty of time to bulk up. Like if that dude could get like does get athletic and doesn't have problems. I think some of his leg form's a little weird on his shot, but like, I'm sure wild. Dirk is gonna help. <laughs> like he's got such a slow release, it seems like, but it looks like he gets no power in it, but it's like still drains it every time. It's so weird. And then, so and the nice part is since they weren't playing, Dirk got some extra minutes, and the crowd just loved it whenever Dirk shot threes. It was it was awesome. He had a, such a huge following in the tunnel trying to get him to sign stuff, and he signed so much junk. A lot of Luca fans there too. Um, I guess Dallas isn't so far away from here. Um, at the same time, there were some pretty stellar Go Bear highlights. A lot of blocks, good alley oops. Not a lot of. Uh, really, the only reason it was even close was uh, Scott Foster, the best NBA official, keeping Tim Hardaway Jr. in the game on the free throw line. Um, that was really about it. I mean, got to see Rick Carlisle with a shaved head. Looked pretty solid. Um, Courtney Lee's got a real funky release is what I just realized. It's like, looks bad on TV, but it looks even worse in person. 
Jeez, he just shoots like one-handed, basically. Um, it was cool though. It was a fun time. It was LGBT night, so there was a lot of uh, halftime festivities there. A lot of AIDS too, but other than that, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. And uh, next week, we'll probably have another episode before this, but uh, next week we've got the Bucks in town, so I'll be able to see Giannis in person, which should be fantastic. And with that, that will do it for our weekend edition of Heart in the Paint podcast. You can, of course, find us on SoundCloud, Twitter, YouTube, Gmail. We always love your questions, comments, concerns, and feedback in the comments section or description. Or, of course, email is always a great way. Um, and we'd like to uh, give a special shout-out to whoever thought of the Oscars. Uh, that, was a, that was a great viewer-based suggestion, so we do appreciate it. Go um, House. And uh, with that, we will catch you guys on the flip-flop.